Hey everyone, it's Tom Crads out on this episode. Nick and I cover a bunch of business stuff that we've learned over the last few years. We both kind of quit our jobs. If you don't know our story, quit our corporate type jobs, left, started Rockstar Real Estate together. And I think over the years, read a lot of business books, but a lot of it was just theory. We couldn't really apply it. Like it sounded good, but you didn't know the practical implications of it, how, how to put it in actual use. So in this episode, we're trying to break down the three components of business that have really served us well over the years. And we broke it out into the mass concept, the building momentum aspect of business, and then the mindset part of business, which I really spent a lot of time on in my 20s and early 30s. And then we kind of got so busy, I guess, um, you know, mid 30s until I hit about 40, year, 40 years old. I'm 46 now. Kind of got away from like really spending time on my own mindset. And now I'm kind of back to that in the last little while because I have a little bit more time is opening up and I kind of miss it to tell you the truth, but it's really important. It's a huge part of business. I think I discounted it actually for a couple of years, which is surprising because I've always valued it so much. And now I'm kind of back into that mindset, the mindset of realizing that mindset is important. I hope you're following with that anyway. So math, momentum and mindset and business building. We're sharing that on this podcast. And if you don't know, we host a two-day entrepreneur summit every year in June. This year's is June 11th and June 12th. You can go and get all the details at therockstarsummit.com. So that's www.therockstarsummit.com. And at that, uh, over those two days, we cover absolutely everything that we've learned, everything that we put in practice. It's nothing that we have not been doing ourselves. Um, and uh, the reason that we're doing that is we really couldn't find anywhere where some of the conferences we were going to wasn't really sharing specifics. Like how do you actually take action on some of these business concepts that we're talking about? So at the Entrepreneur Summit, we are literally sharing all the things that we are doing for our own business. So this isn't theory. This is actually how do you build a database of leads and how do you communicate with them? How do you acquire customers? How do you measure the cost of customers? This year, we're going to be spending a lot of time on how do you make offers to customers in your database, even if you don't really have a big database of leads or customers, you have a tiny little list, or if you have a medium size or a big, big one, how do you navigate making offers, new offers, making sales, managing your relationships with past customers, new customers? How do you develop um, new relationships with, with new leads in your business? How do you put those new leads into your database? What database to use? So it's all about the number one um, asset in anyone's business. It's their database and the relationship with it. We're going to be spending a lot of time on that as well as going into things like Google AdWords and YouTube advertising and podcasting and the whole bit. So if this is your thing, if you're looking at business, if you have a business that you want to start up, check out the rockstarsummit.com and you will get uh, details of the June 11th and 12th summit that we're hosting this year. We're going to put some more and more details on that site as we get closer to the event, but we have a bunch of the information up there right now. I think that's it for now. Hopefully 2020's got off to a good start for you. With that, let's get on with the episode. Are you ready to live life on your terms? Is it time to take charge? Real estate, business building, the economy, health and nutrition, and more. It's the Your Life, Your Term Show with Tom and Nick Carazza. Are you ready? Let's go. Okay, we are live, and apparently, Nick, you can really hear me. Loud and clear, you, 2020. I, I think I can hear you every single time. You can almost stop asking. 
No, I really need to ask. I need to verify that you can hear me okay. We're in this new office. We get a little bit of echo in the office here that's being set up as our little podcast studio. And the acoustical boards are not in this office yet. So uh, we're probably struggling more than you can even hear anything. But uh, I hear a bit of... Nick, I hear your echo coming into me. Anyway, we're going to... Lucky you. That's great. (laughs) Oh, my God. Yes, we can hear each other. Um, I'm going to fiddle around with the volume as we go through this, Nick. I think you're a tad low. But so... Um, as we go into this, listen, we just moved into this new office. Um, we're, we're kind of super pumped, but I think it's like when you buy a new car, you know, when you get a new car and if like anyone scuffs the car or anyone does anything you're like, Oh my gosh, don't touch my car. Or, you know, you, you, if you spill a little bit of something in the, in the new car, that's how I feel in this new office. I feel like everything's set and I don't want to mess anything up. I don't know how you, I think you're the exact same way, right? Yeah. I said, I'm going to come in here and work for six months. I'll let it get destroyed and then I'll come back in six months and then I'll be like perfect now it's all scuffed up I don't have to worry about it it's like yeah. when you get the new car and you get a couple scratches on it like perfect I don't care anymore you don't have to think about it it reminds me of the time someone on our team here I'm not going to mention their name but they're they were selling one of their houses they were flipping a house they were selling a house but they were living in this particular house and the wife was wet sw- no was swiffering behind me when I went to visit them because they were uh, so concerned with the little footprints that I was leaving on. <laughs> and I wasn't even I think it was the summer I was just like a little bit of moisture from my sock or something now I'm sounding like a gross person <laughs> but they were swiffering behind me as I walked through their house I feel like you and I are going to be that for, uh, for anyone who visits here keep They're it gonna- clean man there's a showing keep it clean <laughs> keep it clean <laughs> so um okay so what we wanted to talk about here was over the last, I guess, uh, Nick and I have owned property now for over 20 years. We've been in business for ourselves uh, for, I guess it's been, uh, Rockstar was incorporated in 2008, but then we quit our jobs earlier than that. So it's been 12, 13, 13 and a half years. I keep saying 10 or 11. So I've, I've missed out on two years somewhere. I think we missed the 10 year yeah. celebration. <laughs> yeah, we completely we missed the 10 year celebration. <laughs> I should really get straight on exactly what it is. So I no, know. It's, yeah, it's, it's 2020. So like it's, it's definitely 12 years. I quit in May of 2007. So almost 13 years. You were about six months before that or eight months before I guess that. it's when I got married, which I probably should know what year that was. 13 years uh, th- this fall. Yeah, so that's right. 12 years. The expression on your face when you just said that is like you surprised yourself. I surprised that I remembered. Yeah, because I think I was just talking about it with Diana. Oh my God, good news. I remember how long I've been married. Because I just remembered like a week ago I asked her, I'm like, how long has it been again? So um, so I'm like, yeah, I was happy. I'm very proud of myself. There's certain things I'm really good at remembering. There's certain things I'm not. That's one of them. So listen, the idea behind this chat was, um, and it's something that's important to us because over the, when we got you know, I guess over the last 12 or 13 years and when we got started in business, no one shared this information with us. We had to go find it from a very small group of people that were kind enough to share. No one shared anything with no us. No one shared really anything <laughs> with us at all. So the, the name but of this... But this out of everything we found has been like one of the, I mean, some of the biggest stuff that was most important to us. Game changer yeah. in business. Yeah, and we found a lot of stuff. I was actually just writing about today um, the Jim Rohn, the original Jim Rohn email newsletter. Oh, Do you remember that? Yeah. I have his book of quotes. Yeah. And that's what it was. And I mean, that was 20 years ago, that email newsletter. Yeah. And I would watch the subscribers grow every, because remember they put the subscribers at the top. Anyways, yeah, there was a lot of stuff there too, but, um, but yeah, this stuff has been groundbreaking for us. Yeah. And there's a bunch of people we have to thank over the years for getting some of this information. I mean, Rob Minton's been a mentor to ours now. He's a really good friend of ours out in Ohio. Dan Kennedy, we've mentioned a bunch of times. So there's a, there's a whole bunch of people we've learned from and and this is like a compilation of our own note taking from different masterminds at these events and that kind of stuff. Um, so there's three components when, you know, that really have been valuable to us. And Nick, I don't know about you, but I always hear about people who, who say, 
say like get into business and find your passion like that's a lot of bullshit because it's so hard to find your passion and I don't mean that you shouldn't be in business doing something you're passionate about but if you're going to wait to find your passion I think I think you're going to be looking for a long time like it's, it's what was um oh man what was the so good they can't ignore you was that the book yeah, right? yeah, yeah that was like the best explanation of that passion thing to me is like when you get really good at something you become passionate about about it you know what i mean so like yeah i think i think the idea is right i just think there's kind of a gap in it a little bit do you know what i mean like there's more to it you got to go a little bit more extensive than just like find your passion there's there, there's a little bit more thought totally because to i didn't even know if we were passionate about real estate we just believed that real estate was going to be an important component in the lives of our families both financially and from a legacy point of view so we might as well put our stake in the ground and commit to doing stuff with real estate both investing in it and creating a business around it so it wasn't that we were like so passionate about it it was more like hey this is going to be in my this is an area of my life that's always going to exist why don't i just continue to grow it and then since we grew it and then the whole your life your terms message came out of it and we were able to work with rockstar investors to really help them grow their portfolios we totally got passionate about it yeah and i think it's like like, like to this day i mean i always tell everyone like I, I don't care if it's real estate or something else i get passionate about the kind of the results from it and not just financially it's just the options that it's given me in my life so it wasn't about like I just love properties so much that I just want to be around them all the time. It's not so much that, although there is an element of that. Like I definitely like it and I've always have, but there's, um, there's an element of the deal making there. Like there's so many different aspects to it, but it wasn't about like just a love for, for real estate. It's like, I really liked it. And then as we did other stuff and got better in certain aspects of it, I've, I've really, you know, enjoyed it as well. Um, but, but yeah, it, it, it wasn't like, I was at 10 years old. I was like, man, I just yeah, going to tattoo real, real estate. estate. Yeah. To your arm. Um, okay. So here's one of the first things that really, if we were to condense stuff, there's a bunch of things around business building that have really helped us. And I would break it around math, momentum, and mindset. So on the math component of business building, there's this whole concept that was really foreign to us. And I, I want to explain it like this. And Nick, just kind of like, are you okay with it? The, the yeah, no, I'm there. just checking oh, out the little cable comment. holders. Okay, yeah, okay. Yeah. I just didn't know what you're just seeing how, how nice okay. I can make this okay. setup for okay. you. So, I'm trying so to help here, you out. Okay, so the um, here's the math component. We had never heard anyone break this out um, until I guess it was like a mastermind or an event like 10 years ago. I think it was one of the Kennedy events, and he broke it out like this: that look in business, you should be actually. I'm going to say this first before I actually break out the math. I'm gonna, uh, um, there's this concept in business that there's the business truth that most people ignore is that most businesses are built by buying customers in before. And I, I didn't really understand what that meant until I heard it explained this way that a lot of businesses only acquire new customers through a random first sale. Like they randomly make a sale. Some, somebody refers somebody to them. Somebody walks in the front door of their retail store and they randomly get this first sale. And that's how most businesses go about doing business and they hope to profit from the front end of that. Whereas most businesses that are built aggressively and very profitably are trying to buy customers. And I'll explain what that means with some math, but the, the, the really, the, where I really saw that in action is when I worked for NetSuite before it went public and it ended up going for public for a billion dollars on the New York stock exchange, the higher ups in that company always talked about how they were acquiring customers. And I don't, I didn't see the math at that time, but they had a bunch of key performance indicators that they always talked about and their marketing department was super advanced, uh, 
back at that time. And they were always running campaigns to, you know, quote unquote, buy customers. So they were looking at the cost to acquire a customer. They weren't just, they weren't hoping that someone randomly was going to walk through and buy their software. They were looking to go out and spend money to buy a new customer through, through their marketing strategies. And I, I, it, it took me forever to understand that that's really what you're in the business of. You're trying to figure out how you can go and buy customers because it really accelerates your business success. And I can break that out with some math. I don't know if I'm being clear enough with that concept. Oh, Nick, no, I think you are uh, totally. Like if you look at the big telecom companies here, look at Rogers and Telus and stuff, uh, how were they doing it early on? They were buying customers by subsidizing the phones. And I mean, it led to some problems because people couldn't get out of those contracts and stuff like that. But that's, they were doing the same thing. It's like, it was like, who could buy customers? Banks do the same thing. Like in the spring, there's always a mortgage rate war, right? So, um, you know, Bank of Montreal is often the one that starts it. So they come out with these, these low rates and they try to sell you all these other things when you go in to get the mortgage. Like Scotia is famous for that too. You have to go sign off on the mortgage. So like, all, a lot of the big companies are doing it. Where the challenge comes is that the, the, the smaller kind of guys, um, a lot of retail shops and stuff, they don't understand that concept, right? And that's and they're what they're scared missing out to on. buy because you might go negative. You might spend money you don't have. You do. Yeah, 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 yeah you do. Like it's negative and there's no return until you start seeing it after. Yeah, it might it's take a quick some way time. to bankruptcy because totally. if you can't actually convert your what you're spending to acquire new interest in your business into actual paying customers, you can quickly go bankrupt. Yeah, totally. So yeah. you have to do this in a sophisticated with, yeah, sort like of way. With these numbers, like I know you're going to go through yeah. these numbers. So. Okay, so here's how to break it out. It's You break the math of uh, acquiring customers out like this. The first number you need to pay attention to is the cost to buy a lead. So, uh, for example, like if you're spending, um, you know, um, well, I'll go through all the math and then I'll, I'll, I'll come back to it. So cost to buy a lead is the first math number you need. The next number is the number of leads to get an actual customer. So how many people show interest in your business before you actually get a customer? And that could be measured a million different ways. Like, you know, how many people ring your phone um, till one of, the, one, one of those people actually becomes a customer? How many people walk through your front door to actually get a customer? How many people fill out a, a form on your website to, uh, to uh, actually become a customer? So that's the kind of thing you're looking, how, uh, looking at. How many leads do you need to actually get a customer? And then when you know that, you can actually determine your cost per, per customer. So for example, if the cost to buy a lead is $10 to get somebody to walk through your door through some form of advertising or to come to your website or to make your phone ring, and you need 100 of those things to occur before somebody actually turns into a paying customer, well then 100 times $10 is 1,000. So it's $1,000 to acquire a customer in your business. And the reason that this is really important is that if the value of what you are actually selling to you is like a hundred bucks. So if you're spending a thousand dollars to acquire a customer and then the value of what you're selling is like a hundred bucks, well then you might have some math problems in business, right? You're spending a thousand, but then what you're selling is a hundred bucks. But if the value of what you're selling is at $10,000, then you can spend $1,000 all day long. Like you'll gladly spend $1,000 to make a sale of $10,000. And I'm talking about gross sales here, not net, but in just a high level, that's the way we're looking at business. How much does it cost to get a lead? What number of leads do we need to get a customer? So then we can figure out what is our cost per customer? And then what is the value of that customer? 
When you know that math, it is an absolute business breakthrough. And it takes some time. When you first start in business, you have to make some assumptions because you're not going to know these numbers until you actually spend some money. And that's why I say you have to be careful with this thing when you begin because it is a, it could be a path to bankruptcy if you just spend all this money. But it also answers the question on how much most businesses, businesses should, I can't speak, should spend on marketing. Because when people come to Nick and I and they say, hey, guys, how much in my business should I allocate to marketing? We've never had that discussion. There's no marketing budget in a business. Once you know these numbers, you'll gladly trade $1,000 to make $10,000. You'll gladly trade $1,000 to make $1,001. Like if if someone's willing to give me $1,001 back every time I give them $1,000, I'll I'll do that trade with them all day long. Yeah, I had the conversation once with, um, it was like a uh, uh, like a physical therapist. I was going to say therapist and I was like, everyone's going to think I'm insane. And I'm gone. So <laughs> not that you're insane if you go see a therapist, you know, but anyways, um, uh, and she was saying, you know, you know, I can't do any marketing, like it's expensive. And I didn't really kind of go down that path. Right. But in my head I was thinking, I'm like, well, it's, it's not expensive. If you understand it, like it's, it's, it's no different than investing. Like it's an investment and you got to see a return and you got to structure it in such a way that you're seeing a return on your money. And then, yeah, like you said, it's just trading money. So like if you can trade a hundred bucks for 101 or 120 or 110, you just, how many times can you trade the hundred bucks? That's, you know, if I stood on the corner, I said, Hey, give me a hundred bucks, give you 110 back. I mean, people will do it all day long. It's just this is like figuring out the equation. But once you figure out the equation, then that's what you're able to do. And it, it's, it sets you apart from all your kind of, you know, even if it's a, a community-based business, like any competition you have It almost you. guarantees your success. Because yeah. Yeah, once you know these numbers, you know what for every 100 or $1,000 you spend, yeah. what you're going to get in return. And then you just monitor them and like make sure, that it's, see if you can improve them and then make sure they don't fall off too far because they will fluctuate and they'll be kind of ups and downs. But yeah, but that it's a game-changing because then it allows you a competitive advantage over all your customers because you actually, can buy customers. We actually shouldn't talk about this at all. Let's stop talking about this. This is too, too big. This is too... <laughs> and then there's one other concept. There's the lifetime value of a customer. So for example, Maybe you have to spend $1,000 to get a new customer, right? It's $10 a lead. You need 100 leads to get a new customer. So it's costing you $1,000 to earn one new customer. But then maybe what you sell is like 900 bucks. So you're like, well, actually I'm negative. But you learn that for every two customers, maybe there's repeat business. And over a year, that person who spent $900 with you comes back to spend $900 two or three more times. So maybe you're slightly negative on the first sale, but over the lifetime value of any of your customers, you're actually positive. That's super advanced. That is like super advanced thinking in business, like going negative to acquire customers, but that is absolute game changer. And that's really common in like retail stuff. Hugely right? common. Well, yeah. like, like, like grocery stores, like some of the stuff's on the, on the front of the flyers. They're, they're negative on, but they're trying to get you in the store because they're like, if you come in for that prime rib roast or whatever it is, then you're going to stay and do your grocery shopping. And if they can do that to you a couple of times, you get in the habit of going and that's how they try to get you, right? Totally. So, I mean, big businesses are built on like, it's a loss leader. It's like, you know, like big businesses are built that way. And when you're starting out, you're, there's no way you know these numbers, as we mentioned, but this is the kind of place you want to get to, or at least what you want to be aware of. Yeah. And it doesn't take a lot to try to start figuring them out. You can figure them out like early on. It's like the biggest one to, you know, to your point earlier was, you know, how many people does it take to walk through your door or for you to, depending on the business, for you to have a conversation with or phone the phone to ring for you to get whatever it is, a sale, a job, you know, a contract, whatever that is. And what's that worth? And you don't really need a lot to be able to figure that out. And then once you figure that out, then you start putting the other pieces in place, right? 
Totally. And I want to mention something. There is a way to grow a business without this type of thinking at all. You can do it all on hustle. Like if you don't have the money to invest in lead generation, you can do it all in on hustle. I mean, Gary Vaynerchuk on all his YouTube videos and stuff out there, he's always big on hustle, put your message out there. And you don't need a lot of money with today's media to get attention via hustle. Like you can totally do this. You don't have to create all these systems. It's just that if you can marry hustle with these systems, it is a game changer. So if you can marry your hard work ethic with these particular mathematical models, it is game changing in business building, hugely game changing. And I wish more people talked about it. I wish more people told us about it. It really changed the concept of business. But if you're listening to this and you're like, I absolutely have no money to even spend $10 on marketing, you can go the hustle route. So don't think if you're listening to this, this is the only way. It's absolutely not the only way. But one of the things that we will always ask business owners, once they've been in business for a few years is, hey, how much are you willing or can you spend to acquire a new customer? That almost dictates your success because the more you can spend to acquire a new customer, the more freedom you have in business and the more you can outcompete in the marketplace. So it's really, really important stuff. Okay, Nick, I'm going to switch over to the next um, concept, with, which is momentum. So that was the first one was math. This next momentum part is really it's really big it's really it's weird it's it, it's until you kind of realize it, it it's uh it's it it, it it it's tough to understand like we've seen multiple people who we've helped actually with uh different things and or and, and other people we haven't but you know um who've built momentum and get get momentum and then things start going well and when things start going well they kind of take their foot not so much off the gas, like not that they have to be going 100 miles an hour all the time, but they just stop doing the things that got them that momentum. And they're like, oh, well, you know what? I'm just going to wait. It's a little bit too busy. I'm just going to kind of tone things down. And then I'm going to pick we it back up. We have seen that. It's a yeah. little bit too busy. Yeah. yeah. I mean, we've seen that. And I'm going to like tone things down. I'm going to pick it back up when I need to. But what they don't understand or don't realize is that it's that early, like to get the ball moving again, it's like no different than, you know, so many other things to move it to get to gain that momentum when you're doing something is the hardest momentum thing. in business is everything it really is like it, it, it and it's it, because it's not something tangible it's not physical you can't see numbers around it it's tough to try to understand when you go through but it's a bin it, it's a big big factor for sure and one of the ways to create momentum that we like sharing with people is that most businesses we see do a couple things really off. And uh, one of those is they build a website, which is like, cool, everybody needs a website. And then in, in front of the website, they might be tempted to do some social media. And it's like, okay, I have a website and I'm going to post some random things on like Instagram about my business, or, you know, I'll put the one YouTube video up or I'll do a little bit on Twitter, like what, whatever it is. Right. And that's kind of the extent of it. But there's a really cool way to create momentum in your business if you just map it to the way people buy stuff. And the way people buy stuff is usually this. They do some casual research. They take a bit of a deeper dive. They look around for social proof and then they make their purchase. So there's kind of four steps, right? And the thing is when you just have your website with some social media in front of it, you're not mapping to the four steps people go through to actually make a, a purchase. And what that what happens is then you are only attractive to the people who are ready to do business that day you're not building a pool of interest in front of your business. Your, your classic setup with just a corporate website and a little bit of social media is really just that you're ready for people or you're, you're, you're making yourself aware to people who are about to buy. But there's a much bigger pool of people who are close to buying but not there yet. And if you just put a little few extra things in your business in front of your website and your social media, 
it really separates you from your business and creates some competition. I'll explain it this way. Instead of just having a website and then the social proof, there's two other things you should do. You should create a lot of information about your industry that is not branded directly to you. It's just useful, helpful information. That could be in the form of YouTube videos. It could be in the form of articles that you give away. It could be in, in the form of blog posts. It could be in the form of interviews. It could be in the form of cheat sheets. It could be in the form of a million different things. It's just good quality information. That's kind of step one and it satisfies the casual research stage of the buyer. So someone who's going to look for information about doing almost anything is if they're looking to join a gym, do some real estate investing, hire a contractor, uh, you know, get a pool, finish their basement, go on vacation. There's always that casual research stage. So when you put out good, helpful information, that actually helps the person begin to learn about you and get trust unknowingly because they're reading your information. The second step in this whole process is then once they read some of your information, have one piece of information that people have to give you their phone number, their email address, or their mailing address in exchange for. This is huge. And what this does is it builds a database of people who are interested in you. So that's the second step. That's the people who are raising their hands and self-identifying that they are slightly interested in what you are talking about and what your business is about. And then you use your social media as social proof that you're good at what you do and you actually do what you do. And then your corporate website comes into play because when people want to go buy or contact you or walk into your store, they can go there and get the address or they can go on the website and buy. But these two little changes absolutely create momentum. We've seen it 100 times. And this is something that is like never discussed or understood by most business owners. And Nick, am I being clear? Yeah, you're being clear. But you know what? You're making me think that I followed, I, I did that for a company last week for some stuff I need for the office and no one's followed up with me in three days. So if you're going to set this up, so someone's giving you their information to, um, so that you, so, so contact information so you can send them stuff, you should actually send them stuff. That's the, that's the one thing you actually got to do something with it. Yeah. You're not going to create great momentum if you don't but, follow uh, through. All yeah. Stuff. I'm just realizing that, but you know what, to go back to, um, the, the website stage for people, websites suck like you don't even need a and i know in today's world like you kind of need a website but you need it less than you think and you definitely don't need like the flashiest fanciest thing like that's not what it's about it's all about this front end thing because it's so hard to show value from like a typical corporate website that's like hey look at us here's my business we're great give us a call like that there's no value there. So there's no value exchange for someone to spend the time because if someone's going to take the time to have to reach out to you and have a conversation with you, that's time from something else they could be doing as well. So everyone's time is important. So you have to show some sort of value and that's where this whole thing is built because you're showing value ahead of time to get to the person comfortable enough saying, hey, you know what? This person showed me some value. I think if I reach out to them, there's going to be value there as well. It makes sense for me to have a conversation rather than like, oh crap, do I really have to call these people? Let's see what let's see what they have to to offer, right? I think that's the biggest biggest difference in this stuff. You're able to create a relationship with someone kind of electronically in a much much better manner. Totally. And when you spend some time putting good information together, the biggest what you're doing is you're creating future banked income for yourself. Because most businesses are just concerned about making money today. They're hunting for the next customer, the next opportunity today. And that's one way to go around making money. But if you constantly live that way, you're not banking any future equity and future income into your life. If you spend a chunk of time every day, and I know 
no one has time. Everyone tells me I don't have time. But this is very, very critical. If you spend some time every day just building out good information about whatever industry that you're in and you start sharing it out there on the internet is like the easiest way, of course, to share it or however you want to share it. When you do that, you're literally building an asset for yourself that attracts people to your business for years to come. You know, we have some websites and some different things that we've offered over the years. We haven't actually worked on that for 10 years or more. Mm -hmm. And people stumble into that information and then ultimately come to work with us at Rockstar. So you really have to divide your time between making money today and banking in some future money by sharing good information that might not earn you business today. But somebody in six months is going to come across that information and then eventually do business with you. So, you know... This is a really critical thing that most business owners do not spend time building in future income for themselves by putting together good information about their business and just sharing it. So this is a really critical thing. And you, you, there's mul multiple ways to do it. You can do it via audio like this podcast that you're listening to. You can do it via video if video is your thing. You can do it via the written word if the written word's your thing. You can create spreadsheets and little formulas if really like you're an engineer type and that's really what kind of um, gets you going. There's a million ways to share information, but you have to share a lot of it. You can't just put one thing together. You've got to share a lot of information. And that really builds an a, a front-end asset to creating momentum for your business. Cool. I think, Nick, that's clear enough on that particular point, right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's so many details to all this know, stuff. But I know. There's only so much like yeah. days on this yeah. stuff. But the, after you have the information, I just want to repeat, then there's one piece of information that is really valuable that you actually ask people to share their email, mailing address, phone number, something in exchange for that information. And that builds your database of possible new customers that you can get, then go and follow up with. As long as you follow up with them, like Nick's saying, some people don't follow up. But that's the database that you're then building that is hugely valuable to you. Yeah, that's the foundation to everything because that gives you the foundation to success. Otherwise, you can have a flash in the pan. Like you can have a successful sale or successful product and like things kind of go good for a little bit, you know, or you get some media. Let's say you get some media. Right, because often if you look at uh, um, Dragon's Den or Shark Tank, they're like, "Oh, how'd you get these sales?" They're like, "Oh, I, I, it, something went viral." They're like, "Okay, that's great, but like now what?" Because you haven't had sales in the last twelve months. That was two years ago. Now what are you gonna do? Oh, I don't really know, because they don't have the database to go back to and say, "Hey guys, here's what else I can help you with," or, or anything else, because they're not they're not building the foundation underneath you. So the the database really acts as the foundation for everything. So what happens with with this type of stuff, to, to your point, is you're able to then have people go through the kind of different buying stages, when the research stages, things like that, and they go through the buying stage, and some business is going to come out of that. But that database is the long term future of your business. So you're actually being you're you're able to generate business, so current income, and as you build that database, you're generating future income at the same time because you're investing the time to build that database. So you're allow you're you're really building a much more solid business that way because you have you have the future business baked in and then you have the current business kind of happening now so it, it gives you a, just a much I guess I keep saying like this stronger foundation but it's really game-changing that way because it's not fly-by-night stuff you're now able to have you have an asset you can leverage at different times you always use the example of your barber you're like why doesn't why don't you reach out to everyone and send something out when some t times are slow or something like that? Like there's a certain times that people don't book anything. I think he's a hairstylist. Right. I don't think he calls himself a barber. And when, when you have as little hair as I have left, you have to be a stylist. He says he charges me more because he can't figure out what to do with my hair. <laughs> are you just looking at my hair and laughing right now? Okay. You're just looking at my hair and laughing. <laughs> <I just> <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, you, I just want to harp on that point. <laughs> 
point on that point is that what you're saying is like the relationship with the database that you're building, like you're saying is the foundation, the, the your relationship with the people who have raised their hands and expressed some sort of interest in your business is the number one asset of your business. Do not be fooled. It's not whatever you sell. It's not the product or service you provide. It's your relationship with your customers and the people who are potential customers to you. So the people in your database, that is the true value of a business. Because if you have a strong relationship with people, you can almost go into any business or introduce any new product and they're going to trust you and likely buy from you. Your relationship with that database is the absolute number one thing. And the reason, Nick, I keep bringing that example about, you know, uh, somebody who sells a service like the barber or the hairstylist and doesn't have a database of customers that they communicate with recently is because they don't realize that they are missing out on the most valuable thing in business, a relationship ongoing with their customers beyond the time somebody walks in to actually mm -hmm. use the service. So that ongoing communication with the database where you offer good information about whatever topic it is that you are that you are in business about is hugely, hugely valuable. It's an, a really misunderstood concept. So that database is everything in business. When we walk into businesses and people talk about possibly selling their business and they don't have a very good relationship with their database, we always look around like, what is the thing of value in your business? Mm -hmm. Like, what is it? Like your lease? Your brand, like your brand, your company name. And that's what most people think it is. It's like my location or my company name. That, and, and of course, there could be some value with that with different yeah, but details. But most of the time, there's not. Like, it, yeah, to most be fair, time, like it's a, it, you know, most kind of entrepreneur type businesses, there's no real brand there yet. Like brands are, are things that are top of. But maybe like, their location, if they're like a retail, you know, maybe. Like maybe. Yeah. Yeah, but most often in those locations, they don't even, in those areas, they don't own the location either. It's leased, and that can change any time too upon renewal, right? So the terms can change. So, I mean, there is little, but you're, you're right. Totally. You know? Yeah, totally. So it's just a new way to think about business that we really took to heart and we realized that that really helped us kind of grow from like zero dollars to like our first six figures and then seven figures and now eight figures and that kind of thing. That's really been a game changer for us, kind of the relationship with that database. So that's what you're trying to build. You're offering a lot of good information up front. And then eventually you're like, hey, if you like this information, give us your email address and you know we'll give you this. And that's building that database. And then your ongoing communication with those people is what you're what should be of most concerned to you. That's really how you build the momentum. And then every, every once in a while, the sales are just going to come. Like you don't even have to be a master salesperson. You're just going to make an offer about whatever it is that you're selling. And a lot of people are going to put up their hands or walk in your door or ring your phone or follow up via email address and take you up on that offer. So really that's kind of the process of creating momentum in business. So I just want to repeat it. It's not just about having a corporate website. It's how in your business, how could you do this? Where can you share a lot of good information? And it might be on your corporate website, but that corporate website has to have this huge section of just lots of valuable information, good information written by you or said by you. Everyone's capable of doing this. Whatever business you're in, a lot of people will come to us and they'll say, hey, like Tom, I don't feel comfortable about sharing information in my business because I'm, you know, I'm, I know I give good service, but I feel like I'm not the expert in the, in the industry. And I'll share it like this. Even if you're like a six out of 10 on the expert status and whatever business that you're getting into, or you feel like you're, you're in right now, that six out of 10 means you're an expert to everybody. So zero to five. You know, everyone from a zero to five is going to hear what you have to say and think, wow, that's really useful and insightful information. So you don't have to be like a nine out of 10 or 10 out of 10 if you're just starting out to feel like you can share information. And in fact, sometimes the way you share information will be different than the person who's like 
the 10 out of 10 expert in the field, the way you share information at your stage might really resonate with a whole bunch of people. Might be better. Because when you're a 10 out of 10, often you forget what you learned at one and two and, you're and too you're, advanced yeah and it's, it's it's tough sometimes it's like if you if you want to go work out for the first time and you go hire like a the coach of a you know professional let's say you want to start running and you go hire the coach of a professional sprinter that might not be the best person to actually kind of coach you, you might want to hire someone that's a coach of like a collegiate athlete or something you know i don't know you know I, maybe not a good example but you know what i mean like you can't you can't go from zero to 100 you have to go kind of from zero to 20 it's kind of like what i told you when you went to the gym before you hurt yourself and stuff like that you need to listen to me yeah i don't really like to listen to you yeah. I, I like to do it my way do it wrong and then listen to you yeah. and say okay that's what you meant yeah i really i'm stubborn that way I gotta figure out everything by myself. That's okay. I'll let you off. Don't worry. I figured out the, the espresso that I've got to. You don't understand where we are in the espresso machine in here. I haven't even had one yet. Well, you don't really drink coffee. No, I know. But but the espresso we have, have in here right now, like the, the setting to literally to yesterday and today where we got it to. No, it's really good. It's really good. It better be good. If it's, I have it, it's terrible. It's really like, good. That's, that's well, a, if you have it and it's terrible, it means you don't understand coffee. <laughs> you know what I mean? So like, I could see somebody having the espresso and saying, oh, "I don't really know." And I'm like, and you know what? I'm going through my head. I was like, yeah, I don't really know if you understand what you're drinking right now. I liked it when Alexi was here and you guys were having a, a debate over how many seconds was the seconds of the water should go over the beans. Is that what it was? Yeah, water going over the beans is yeah one way. It's not yeah, water over no, the beans. No, it's kind of water <laughs> over the beans. But you're right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, the extraction process, the water that's kind of extracting the coffee, should there should be a certain amount of time. And he was debating, and uh, we were both right. Let's just leave it like that. He was right where, with what he was saying, and I was right with what I was saying. But I got to bring him back. It's funny you say that because just today with this espresso now, and I have it coming out at about 18 second mark. I'm like, I got to reach out to Alexi and tell him what's going on. <laughs> anyway, okay. So I just want to move on to the, the, I guess the last thing about the databases, if you are not collecting email addresses or phone numbers or mailing addresses or something, you should start collecting that in your business. And one way to collect it is with good information and that helps you build momentum because you follow up with those people regularly and offer good uh, other information and that's what creates momentum in business. So if you're not collecting people's information now, you want to start. That is the pure value in business and it helps you create wonderful momentum in business. So the next uh, topic I wanna kinda just go into briefly is that I wanna talk about um, some of the mindset stuff. Um, and, uh, actually, let me backtrack for a second here. I thought you were going to be like, actually, nah, yeah, I don't yeah, want to yeah. do it. Yeah, 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 I'm not talking about mindset. <laughs> well, I don't know. Yeah, you know, there's a couple, a couple other little points here. Um, there's two ways to think about, to, when you're building momentum, I think there's two ways to think about it. Your database is going to have a, da- a list of customers and a list of people who have just raised their hands and shown interest, but not customers yet. You want to track both of those numbers. Okay, those are the the two things that you want to you want to track, and you want to focus on this at all costs. So you don't want to get distracted with social media campaigns that are not building your database. You don't want to be um, distracted with branding strategies that are not building your database. When you are a small business, so I would say zero to, what's a, what's a small? It's defined by- I have so no much, idea yeah, what's considered uh, small. It's yeah. every customer. But if you're, let's just say zero to a million dollars gross revenues. If you're in that stage, you don't want to be spending any money on branding exercises. You don't want to be spending any money on social media campaigns that do not build your database that is our opinion only but we we strongly believe in it so you want to to maximize your efforts and build the momentum you want to spend all your money in developing your database and building a lifelong relationship with that database and you do that 
by communicating frequently with good information, good education. You want to be fun and light, but you want to communicate consistently because it's the consistency of communication that's ultimately going to build trust with people. Um, you want to become a resource in your category. So if like Nick's sharing good information, he automatically becomes an authority and a resource, which brings people back to listening to him more and more about business building or real estate, whatever it is. You can survey potential customers to find out what else they'd like to buy from you. And you want to test different things. You want to test different sales to different services. And when you have a database of potential customers and existing customers, you can test new offers. You can test new price points. You can test premium offers. You can do all these wonderful things and it all boils down to having your own database to work with and to your point building relationship right so like you know it, when you're building that relationship you don't want to be you don't have this database so you can just try to sell people things all day long right because that's what the big brands do every email you get they're trying to sell you something if you want to build a relationship with people you you know if you if you envision yourself at a party with someone's just kind of always talking about themselves or if someone just wants to you know if they're going to come up to you and talk to you about their business because they want to try to you to buy something from them you're going to try to avoid that person in the party but if someone's like funny and engaging and they tell stories and they hang out and then as part of that every so often they're like oh yeah you know by the way if i can help you help you with something of like you know this is what i do i'm a plumber just let me know i'll help you out you'll end up doing business with that guy at the party because you like him. He seems like a good guy. You kind of had fun with him. You had some laughs. You're like, oh yeah, you know what? I can kind of hang out with that guy. That's the same thing. That party atmosphere is the same thing that you're trying to kind of replicate digitally when you're following up with people or on the phone or whatever. And that's why the consistency is so, so important as well because you can't, it's much more difficult to have a good relationship with someone that you communicate with once a year. But if you communicate with someone daily or weekly or monthly, whatever, those, those relationships typically are going to be stronger than the person you communicate with yearly. So you want to kind of keep that in mind, right? So it's all about building, it's no different, the, the same steps you would use to build a relationship in person, you're just doing it via either, whether it's email or social media or via phone or whatever media that they're choosing, but it's the same principles behind it. And you're bringing up a really good point, like, I think people misunderstand the value of their personal stories in life to be kind of like not just talking about your business all the time. Your personal stories and whatever your journey is in life are actually assets to you. So if you don't have anything to write about, about your business at all, get out a blank piece of paper and start writing out all the things that you've been through in life, like all the different challenging moments, all the different crap that you've had to deal with, all the things in your business that you deal with. All of these crazy stories, and the crazier the better, are things that you can share with your database so they get to know you a little bit and you can share that via the written word or like by, by a video and you explaining stuff. This is how people get to know you. So your personal stories on your own journey are absolutely assets to your business that you should be sharing with your database. Your personal stories are not things to hide. They are things to share. So many people think their personal stories make them unprofessional. Like I can't share that I went on an airplane with my kids and like my kid... I don't know, crapped his pants in the middle of the plane and I had to go change it in the washroom and all the stewardesses were trying to help me and it was just a disaster, the stink bomb in the plane. But these are the kinds of stories that if that happens to you, you want to share that kind of stuff. These are the kinds of things that make people remember you, they feel engaged with you and they get to build a relationship with you through these stories. So your personal stories are absolutely something you should be sharing with your database. It's absolutely a game changer. And when you think of it, a lot of people listening to this podcast probably know Tim Ferriss. And what Tim Ferriss is really good at is he shares his stories all the time. 
shares his stories all the time. He's actually doing this momentum in the way he builds business. He gives away all kinds of free information via wonderful blog posts and via awesome podcast episodes where he interviews people. And then every once in a while, he releases a book or something and he kind of pitches the book and everyone goes to rush to buy it. Now, if you break down what he's doing in business, he's doing that front end component in a really masterful way. It's almost in disguise where he's just sharing so much good information and earning so much goodwill with people when he actually asks for the sale every once in a while because he does it so infrequently everybody jumps and makes his book like number one bestsellers like automatically it's the long game he's playing that like this stuff is the long game right so if you're someone that is like you're not interested in the long game and you just need immediate results and that's all you're looking for this could be a challenge for you this type this approach however it's a perfect example with with ferris is it's he's playing the long game right he's building the relationship and that's what that's where when you do that, when I was talking about foundation, that's why he can do it with repeated books. It's not like he was able to get one book and do, do well with it. Yeah, that's a good like point. It's not books. like one book went viral he, and that was it. Yeah, but because he continued uh, continue to be able to offer good value to people and his audience grew, it's continued to, to go with every book, even books that kind of really are like, the one was a cookbook, like everything from like business to, I think it was a cookbook, wasn't the four hour body park, wasn't there a different one that was even a cookbook? Yeah, it was. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. So like it's all over the place, you know, and it, and that's, that's, that's why is because of this. So he's, he's investing in his, in his future at the same time as he's doing kind of current totally. business. Totally. And so I want to kind of transition now. So that was like a bit of a mental momentum discussion. We literally have probably 18 days of content around momentum. We just shared a tiny, tiny little bit of that whole concept, but that's how you build momentum in business. But then there's the next important point. Once you understand the math and once you understand how to build momentum, you need to have the right mindset in business. Otherwise you self-sabotage all the time. And one of the things, there's a few things we can share in, um, in this. And one of the things I just want to start off with sharing is that Finances and your business success mostly reflect thinking. So I just want to repeat that. Your personal finances and your success in business mostly reflect your thinking. You know, and we have this quote that we've written down and I can't, I don't know exactly who gave this to us. This might be one of the Kennedy quotes, but I just want to repeat it out. There's no doubt that people who make large sums of money and people who amass fortunes think differently about just about everything than the majority of people. So if you have any hangups around money or finances, they're going to express themselves in what you charge for your business and the way you go around business. You need to fix that or spend time fixing that. That can be done by reading a whole bunch of books on sales, marketing, business success, but you need to spend some, some of the best books on that particular category are like The Greatest Salesman in the World by Ogmandino is a, is a really good one. How to Win Friends and Influence People by Dale Carnegie is a really good one. Uh, Think and Grow Rich by Napoleon Hill tackles a lot of these subjects, but that absolutely needs to be worked on. So that's like a critical mindset to, to think about. The next mindset, uh, Nick, were you going to say something? No. no. Okay. The next mindset uh, thing to think about is just what is your mindset around habits? And the reason um, this is really important is that habits compound wonderfully. So if you, so for example, you know how about earlier, if we were thinking uh, about creating momentum in business and you were, you may have been thinking to yourself, well, I don't really have time to be doing this. Well, if you can just carve out 30 minutes and create a 30 minute habit a day or every other day or even once a week and you just commit to that for years, you will be blown away at the compound effect of doing something repeatedly over and over again, even for small chunks of time. 
So really, you have to have a very clear mindset around the power of the compound. Compound. I can't even speak today at all. I need more espresso. Compound effects of your of uh, of your habits. It's really, really critical. Some of the most valuable things we've done in business have been the things that we've done repeatedly for ten years, over and over again. So that re- you really have to sell yourself on what habits do you have in your life, and are they working for you? Um, so that's kind of the next one, and then. I think one of the one of the last mindset ones that I want to share is this: that the majority of goal setting stuff that we used to read, um, a lot of it focused on like the things to get, like you know what is the car that you want, what kind of house do you want to live in, like was like all all things to acquire. And I think the most important thing to focus on from a mindset point of view is that it's not things to get; it's the person to become. So I just want to repeat that: the majority of goal setting focuses on things to get, not the person to become. And the person that you want to become to, uh, is, is critical because you cannot grow a business unless you are the person that can handle that business size. And I, and I want to explain something. Many years ago, Nick knows that I started this business called salesinthecity.com. Okay? I don't even own the URL anymore. It was an amazing URL. I think someone else grabbed it. I don't even know. It was worth eight bucks. I, I think I had to spend eight bucks a year and I didn't even keep it. But salesinthecity.com was a business that I started when I really wasn't prepared for the business's growth. And what I mean by that, it was like 2002, I want to say, or three. I can't even remember the date. And what it was is I went around collecting all the different sales going on in Toronto and I had an email list where I would blast them out because I thought, what do people want? What is it that people want? And I was like, oh my gosh, people want sales. So I thought together with my wife, we could gather up this information and start an email list. I created a website. I spent a whole chunk of money on this website, salesinthecity.com. And I started collecting email addresses and it started going viral. Chatelaine Magazine put us in the magazine. I didn't even know anybody at the magazine. Somebody just told me, oh my God, Tom, did you notice sales in the cities like got the spread in, in, in Chatelaine Magazine? And uh, I would notice that email addresses would just pile into my website. If, you know, if somebody at, at Hewlett Packard, for example, signed up that day, I might have 30 other people at HP in my database and I could see their email addresses just piling into this thing. Like it was crazy. I went from zero to like a thousand email addresses in like under two weeks. It was just ridiculous. And, uh, uh, yeah, and with no marketing or anything. No marketing. And that no. was, the, that, but was that still dial up modem days? Dial up modem days. Right? Yeah, yeah. Like yeah, it was, yeah. it was horrible. Yeah. It was like, it was horrible internet. Connection. And you made a little cartoon character as a little mascot guy. A little mascot. I made a little CN Tower cartoon. Yeah, it was great. And I spent like everything. I, I think I spent like $3,500 for a three page website. Like where, where yeah, you could back do that. then. Back, yeah, that's yeah. what it cost yeah. me. It cost yeah. me like everything I had. Yeah, yeah, saved yeah. Up. And, uh, and so it started going viral. And then you know what I did? I closed it down. <laughs> I closed it down because I didn't know what to do with the business. Cause I had this idea. I'm like, yeah, I'll grow this and I'll start reaching out to like different companies to say, Hey, I got a whole big list of people. So I understood the concept of like database and offering value. Even back then I'm like, I have this big list of people who are interested in sales. Do you want to advertise on my email list? Some of your good sales and pay me for this. And I thought once I, once I corner the market on Toronto, I'll go to New York and Chicago. And I was like, you know, it'll be sales in every city. And I was like, oh my gosh, this is going to be awesome. And because I had no, I had no, not enough experience. I didn't know how to fund the growth of this. I just wasn't the person who was ready to grow that business. And that was like five or six years before like the wag jag and Groupons yeah, and stuff of yeah. the world. Because then like Groupon was, went, Groupon came up five years later or something like that and went public for, for $1 billion. billion yeah, yeah. <laughs> and you, yeah. I think you looked at me like, yeah, Tom, you really missed out missed, on that yeah, opportunity. Yeah. And then I'm like, what's up? I, lear- I learned a lot from you like over the years, but that one, I can't yeah. take any lessons yeah, away yeah, from I that. knew it was a good idea. I knew it was a good idea, but I just wasn't the person. I wasn't the 
person. Yeah. And, and I think one way to become the person is to have these experiences and don't be, you, you should have a mindset, not scared of failure because your mistakes are the raw material for success. I just want to repeat that. Your mistakes are the raw material required for success because you learn from your mistakes. So many people spend so much time trying to just have successes that they don't make enough mistakes. And when you make too little mistakes, you don't have the raw material required for your own success. So sales in the city was, I guess you could consider a massive $1 billion failure. <laughs> But it was such a big failure that I had all this raw material be to learn from because I'm like, oh my gosh, when you offer value to people, they will give you their email address. If you offer good things repeatedly, they will share your email and kind of automatically build that email list and things will go viral. Like I had this lesson from that and we have like three or four other little businesses that we've started over the years that yeah. we have those lessons the, from. The, 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 I look at this, like what comes to mind for this is is that if you're not, even if you have the success, right? So so your point's very, very valid and it's great. But even if you have the, have the success, if you're not the person that can handle it, it's going to be fleeting and it's not going to last, right? So like there's lots of people that have kind of had a huge run-ups very quick and then huge falls from that because they weren't the person that was ready for that. And that, that's like time and time again. Totally, you hear it repeatedly. Owners, um, a lot of people, lottery winners, like there's the stat that how many lottery winners are bankrupt after so many years, you know, because uh, celebrities, athletes that come into huge sums of money can't handle it. Like they're just not able to handle that type of stuff. So when you become the person for whatever it is that you're after, when you become and you're ready for that person, you're then able to create that whatever that to get reach that goal that you wanted you're able to do that time and time again because you've now become that person it's not like hey i got lucky with this thing once i wasn't ready for it now i'm back down here what the heck do i do you've become that person you can do it time and time and time again because you've built this stronger foundation beneath you that holds you up at that level and it changes everything so like even so I look at it, you know, that way and then a, a different way as well, because it gives you this long lasting success. That's the big difference with it as well. Totally. And, I, and there's just so much work that we all need repeatedly because we all have the good times and we all have the dark times and you need to surround yourself with good family and close friends. And if you don't have mentors, you can get mentors through books, but this requires your attention and effort when you're building a business. And, and one of the biggest things that I'll often share is that I really feel like my life got easier and lighter when I began living by a set of principles that I mapped out. And we share those at Rockstar all the time. Rockstar has these three principles that we live by. It's do the right thing, always treat others as you would treat yourself and give 110%. Those are the principles that we kind of live by. And I think when you live by principles and you stay in your own personal integrity, life gets light and easy and it's wonderful. You sleep at night, everything's beautiful. So, you know, those are the kinds of things that helped me become the person that I am today. I'm not a perfect person by any means. And we're not always uh, able to even live by our own principles. Sometimes we mess up and we have to kind of apologize and true up on all this stuff. Like we are not perfect as a business. We are not perfect as individuals, but these are the things we do desperately try to hold true and stay true to at all times. And it's made all the difference. And when I kind of got clear around that, I just really feel like my personal life got better and easier. My relationships were always good. You know, I didn't feel like I was doing anyone wrong by anything. I didn't owe anybody any favors. I didn't owe anybody any money. It's not like I owed people money in the past or anything, but you know what I mean? Um, it was, it was, it was good. So I hope I'm being clear on that kind of stuff. So the three kind of components, you know, to get momentum in, in, in any really business we feel is understand your math, build momentum with the right systems. You can do it by 
you know, building the systems, using some money, you can do it via hustle, whatever, but you need to build that momentum. And there's a strategic way to do it where it has long lasting success by building your own database up and then work constantly on your mindset. You are the person that you are becoming. Are you making enough mistakes? Like truly, are you making enough mistakes to have the raw material to make decisions from to guide your success? Because if you're not making mistakes, you don't have the raw material that you need to guide you to make successful decisions. It's important. Like I know that might sound ridiculous, but it's totally not. You need to make a lot of mistakes in order to have some success. You, the mistakes are your guidance. Without making mistakes, you have no guidance. So don't feel you always have to do everything right all the time, right? So um, anything, I feel like we got serious there. You did, yeah. Sure. I was just, I'm just Let's, taking a step back. I'm like, okay, you start pounding the table and getting intense. The, the, table. the Eastern European <laughs> starts coming out the in your Blood's unit. flowing. Yeah. Anything else? I think for, for, for what we wanted to try to do on this podcast, I think we covered it. Yeah. Cool. Thanks, everyone. Hey, everyone. So if that's kind, kind of stuff interested you, you can go to www.therockstarsummit.com to check out more of what we're going to be doing this year at the two-day Rockstar Entrepreneur Summit on June 11th and 12th. That's www.therockstarsummit.com. That's it for now. Until next time, your life, your terms.